Welcome to the Iron Intern Podcast, where our goal is to give you everything you need to know about getting into the strength conditioning industry. Hear from coaches all over the country who have been interns and hired interns. Hosted by Parker Ree. Welcome back to the Iron Intern Podcast. Uh, I have a special guest with me, Coach Mike Hill. Coach, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, thank you, uh, Parker. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, yeah, as 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 you said, my name is uh, Coach Michael Hill. I am the Associate Athletic Director of Sports Performance at Georgetown University. Um, been there for 16-ish years. I've had the, uh, the distinguished you know, opportunity to stay at one place for that long, which is a little rare within this field. But uh, yeah, I'm a native of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and uh, lived out in... California for a while, but then made the trek out here roughly 2004-ish. Yeah, it's been about 16 years, but it's been uh, it's been good. So I've been survived the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs of uh, the college setting. And so, yeah. All right, we'll definitely get into um, talking about you being there since 2004. I think that's a great story. Um, but there's a couple reasons I want to have Coach Hill on the show. Um, one is he's one of my mentors. I um, learned a lot under him and I continue to do so um, Two, he's great well-connected coach with a lot of great knowledge um, but another one is I really think there are a lot of gurus out there of programming and periodization and while coach Hill has that stuff he's really a guru of of mentorship I think and coaching um, would you say that's fair to say yes yes and a big part I want to get into is the internship program that coach Hill oversees at Georgetown and there's a lot of great coaches there um, but first off Let's start with how you ended up there. So I've heard this story many times, but if you could go over it um, pretty quick of being in California and making the trip, why don't you go for that? So I guess this is the short, short version. So one is someone gave me advice at one point that I needed to get a certification and that was the NSCA. The second one, the second piece of advice was um, to basically when a job comes about, jump on that opportunity and go where that job is, right? So prepare yourself for that, okay, right? The third was to start to uh, gaining your, start gaining your Rolodex or your uh, contact list within the field because I was once an intern and now I, or actually I was once nothing and then I became a volunteer intern to an intern, now an associate athletic director within the matter of, you know, 15 years, whatever. So the people that you meet that are around you that are on your level will eventually become at the top level. And that's important to know at when you're at that level. But now when I'm now to where I'm at is giving back to that because that's where you came from. So I came from California. I got my certification, started getting my Rolodex of people, start meeting some coaches and then uh, I printed off a list of every single coach that was in the CSCCA directory. And I just started emailing, blanket emailing coaches, you know, plugging their numbers into my phone, anything I could possibly get my hands on, any type of research. You know, I went literally down the list and I went so far as to highlight places that I could live at, spoke to people in those areas and found rooms. So I did my due diligence. I wasn't uh, going into this blindly. And I, I say that as it, it took me about a good two years to do that. And finally, there was a catch with Coach Morelli giving me a giving me a call, giving me a chance. And I literally went from coast to coast. And 
my car broke down uh, a bunch of different times. And so I, I went through a little bit of adversity, but it was all well worth it. When I got here, it was a great, um, you know, I shouldn't say marriage. It was a great, you know, brotherly type of mentor apprenticeship. And, uh, you know, I think I was looking for somebody like Coach Augie Morelli and Coach Augie Morelli was looking for someone like myself. And so I guess, I guess that's more of a shorter, longer version rather than the short, short version. But um, I jumped on the opportunity when it came and I guess I never looked back and I had people behind me that supported me on those decisions. And you left out a small part, but um, I believe you told Coach Morelli you could be there in two days. Is that the story? I actually told him, I, yeah, I would be there tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, when he called me, I picked up the phone. It was 8.30 um, here, or 8.30 in Washington, D.C., but 5.30 in California, so three hours off. So I picked up the phone. I had his name plugged into my flip phone. That'll tell you it was back in, you know, back in the day, right? So I had a flip phone. And Coach Morelli popped up. I jumped out of bed. I just so happened I didn't have any training that morning, so I slept in a little bit, popped out of bed, and I was like, hey, Coach Morelli, how's it going? And he's like, hey, you want, you know, you want a job or not? When can you be here? And I was like, tomorrow. So he starts talking about this, that, and the other. You could train this, and you have this opportunity. I'm, you know, I guess crapping my pants, like thinking what, you know, how am I going to get there? The whole time I'm not even listening to really what he said, and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't be there tomorrow, but I can be there in two days. Right. And so he was like, okay, cool. I don't think he still put two and two together that I was clear across the country, but uh, I had to call him a couple times before that um, because my car broke down. And so I had to give him an update and he's probably wondering what the hell is going on with this guy. You know, I, I, I haven't really hired him and he's already, you know, asking for time off. So yeah, that's an interesting it's it's a it's a funny story looking at it now, but at that time that was a nervous. From the time I picked up that phone, that was a nervous time frame between now and then. And you know, um, I had like I said, I had some supportive people behind me, my parents. Um, I had funds already put away in a bank account for such move. So I was I was personal training twenty four hour fitness, and so I had enough money in my account to basically, you know, uh, uh, fund my dream per se for a long enough time frame to where I could get. So I invested really in myself. So so once you got there, um, what was it like? You were the, you say often you're the first intern. So what is that internship program like? I'm sure it's a lot different than the internship I went through, but tell us about that. <laughs> well, there was definitely, so uh, there was definitely a ghost intern. Um, there was a ghost intern that came in, Augie chewed up and spit out right away. Um, and uh, to be honest, uh, I don't know his name or what they're doing now, but you know, God bless them. I hope they're doing, all right, you know, so I came in, it was coach Morelli. Um, there was another volunteer who was, uh, you know, at Georgetown trying to get a full-time job in that. His name was coach Harrison Bernstein. There was also a couple work study guys in uh, a guy by the name of walk Von Bon. And so he was a work study student at Georgetown uh, he was also an Olympic. He was trying trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. And so uh, we had him. We also had a guy named Jordan Jerry who played football. Um, he played tight end for Georgetown football. And our other work study was a guy named Frank Taranzino. And he was a D tackle. And so he was super big, right? Super big guy. I mean, they all were freaks of nature. They all love lifting. 
Um, we would come in every day and we would research, read, you know, BS with each other, drink coffee, and then we would train. I mean, it was, it was a good group of people. And so, but I was technically, I guess, if you say that, I was kind of one of the first or pioneered interns. Um, and so I got put in charge of that. And, and my role coming in was really just to be there as eyes on to what everything, every, everything was, what was happening, what was going on around and just, and just having an extra set there uh, for safety, but also to give Augie a little bit of a breather, you know, when he, if he had to go get coffee, I mean, I was certified. I had two certifications at the time I was working on my third and uh, I was also doing personal training because I wanted to, you know, keep my, my funds going here. So I was working at uh, Gold's Gym uh, down the street on, on D Street in uh, Washington, D.C. So I was still working there. I also got a bunch of uh, personal training clients around and worked at a bunch of high schools to, uh, to help with, you know, the whole internship process as well. Uh, it's, it was, it was interesting because I was given a lot of responsibility right away. And there, there's something to be said about that, where Augie gave me guidance. He, he gave me these huge responsibilities now looking back. Um, but I took them in stride and I took them with caution. I did my due diligence and I would ask him a lot of questions. Um, there, there were some failures. Don't get me wrong. There was definitely some failures, some some hard conversations, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess I came right in and I was, you know, the, the third assistant strength coach right away. So for someone who's stepping into an internship, what do you think are some things you guys start doing immediately from day one? That's really going to separate you. So I guess this is my kind of, you know, way of looking at it. And it's, it, it, I, I'm going to put it into an acronym cause I like acronyms. It's, it's the old way, right? So OLD, the first one is observe right? Show up. Don't say shit, right? Observe what everybody's doing, right? Sometimes people come in and they criticize their program right away. Why are you doing this? What? These RDLs don't look good. What's going on with this? Why are they catching it this way, right? Why are you teaching that press with vertical form, right? Why are you teaching uh, this this way or this shouldn't be put in that? Or look at that kid over there. I hear it all the time. I see it all the time, right? Um, that's the first thing. Come in and just observe everything. Take your notes as if you were to be the next head strength coach in that. Don't tell anybody about it, right? Just observe, right? Then you go home, okay? You learn everything you can possibly learn to improve that situation, okay? Right? Then you come back and you next you develop whatever relationship you have to do with that coach, right? And this is before you even ask a question of them right? You develop that relationship. Then when there's time for that, and you'll know the time is when that coach asks you, hey, what would you do wrong with this program? Or what do you think? Then you tell him, well, back when I first started, I remember you used to do this and I used to do that. And you may, you're, you're going to bridge the gap and be able to build on that and be able to, you'll gain more respect on that approach than you would if you were to come in and try and act like you are Yoda and change that program day one, right? Because it, I say this, everybody has a strength philosophy and theory, right? Everybody does. They're just like toothbrushes. Okay. Everyone has their own toothbrush. Ain't nobody want to use anybody else's, right? 
So I say that as you come in and you have your toothbrush and you're looking at this, right? You may be watching the guy brush his teeth and do all that stuff, but you got your own toothbrush, right? Don't tell him how to brush his teeth, right? Just wait until it's time that maybe he, you can borrow his toothpaste, okay? And that's a crazy weird, right? And I say that as I came in and the first thing I did was I asked all Coach Augenarelli about percent percentages and, you know, his block periodization and whatever the hell he was doing, right? Undulating, uh, circular, cyclical, whatever, right? Russian, German, American, South American, whatever, right? Volume training. But in the end, I observed a lot more than I asked a lot of questions, right? And so I say that as observe first, go home and learn as much as you can, develop that relationship with your coach. And then when the time comes, present that information to him or her or the team or whatever. Um, and you'll have a lot more success with that approach. So looking back to when you first kind of um, got that responsibility and ready to develop your own kind of philosophy do you remember any big mistakes you made I mean there's tons there's there's so many you know uh but I think the first mistake and this is probably you know more so now is trying to really fit every team in the same bucket of training style and I will say that as you could do that now as well you could fit everybody in the same bucket, right? It's only so many movements that you can do, right? Without breaking the boundaries. But I'll preface this by saying the field hockey team was doing the same program sometimes as the women's across, as was doing football, as was doing men's basketball, right? Um, that was an early on, I guess, mistake in terms of programming wise, because if you're looking at numbers, percentages, and movements and that stuff, um, yes, but also no to the same effect. You got to have uh, differences, yet similarity is in all of that. And it was more so presentation, uh, presentation, coaching, um, loads, um, adding in as now sports-specific stuff. Um, so it was kind of like a triangle effect. And I'm going to say, you know, this is ultimately what the athletes want. But on the bottom of the triangle, the two points are what the coach wants to see and what you want to do, right? So you make it, if you can, if you can somehow make that triangle equal, right, on all sides and not have, you know, a different disfigured triangle or some type of a morphic figure, then, uh, then you'll be successful, right? It's, it's a lot of times you'll see a program being pulled one way or the other way. So in terms of a triangle, if you think of it that way, if your program is all the athletes want to do, which is hypertrophy and, you know, buys and tries and, you know, glute exercises right now, glutes, glutes are the big thing, right? So then you're probably going to get some athletes injured. If you do everything the coach wants, which is basically, you know, in terms of those field sports, like stick work, lacrosse work, all this stuff, sports specific stuff, you're probably going to get some athletes hurt. If you do what strength coaches want, which is big numbers now, squats, super, you know, all this Olympic style lifting, if you do too much, I think there's some severity to that. So that's just my approach is just kind of having everybody and have an equal slice of that proverbial um, triangle pie. Okay. So is there any team at Georgetown you haven't worked with? You've worked with them all, right? Yeah. I've never been the head of men's across, the true head of men's across. I've never been the true head of baseball. And softball was brand new. So softball came in when I was there. 
and but I've worked with them all. I've definitely worked with them all. I think that's the only three. Um, but other than that, and I guess I guess you could say I wasn't the true head of football, but I've worked with yes, all of them, and 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 uh, had multiple workouts, multiple conversations, been in you know the thick of it with the coaches, with the athletes, with the athletic trainers, with admin, everything. So, so do you think there's a has there been a team where you thought, oh wow, I wasn't ready for this. Let me go back to the drawing board and you know really come up with something else because I was not ready. <laughs> uh, I guess first, you know, I was given. You know, I, I would like to think that I speak the language of basketball, right? However, when I first got to Georgetown, I mean, I was, Augie was the head, and so he was working directly with basketball. I was his assistant, but I was thrown into the fire with women's basketball, and they had a new coach. And said new coach had no idea that I was new or green or, you know, just showed up, right? Because this coach just showed up. And God bless her. I still talk to her, you know, today, Coach Flanoy. Um, but she didn't realize that, holy shit, Mike Hill is, Mike Hill is a new, new coach. And actually, he's, he's a volunteer, non-paid intern coach, right? So um, I had a, I guess if you call it top-tier team from day one, and I had to figure out, like, what are we doing here? Um, and uh, so there was, there was some broken eggs, you know, um, there was no one that got severely, there was no one that's got ever got severely injured from that, from any of that stuff. Right. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not one of those coaches that wants to instill, you know, that, that type of an atmosphere around. I'm not trying to redline you. I'm trying to increase your ceiling. That'll push your floor up as well. Uh, so, you know, playing within those boundaries, but there was definitely some things that we did that, that did push that, you know, you know, red line, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's neither here nor there. Right. Yeah. Um, so a big part of what you do now um, is your internship program. And a lot of great coaches have come through Georgetown um, and you guys have a fresh set of coaches every year, four of them. Um, so I kind of want to ask, what do you kind of look for when you get a resume? Um, I know you get plenty. What are some red flags, some green flags? What do you do? I guess there's pluses and minuses to both what you just said, red flags and green flags. I wouldn't be sitting here today if I had, if Augie took my resume on a green flag, right? If I was too green, right? There's actually, if you look down from history, there's probably one, maybe two interns that we've taken that, you know, had, uh, you know, I guess too many internships that had what you say is red flags, which are, basically like too many internships, too old, right? Not, you know, problems somewhere, right? Um, it's basically about experience, like how green or how ripe do you want um, a person? One, I want just enough experience, but also two, the experience doesn't really matter in some cases. It's more so a connection, right? Adaptability, right? So you want a connection with the person, you want the person to be adaptable, right? And you want the person to have passion, right? So that caps it off, right? So CAP, so you did an acronym. So you want them to, yeah, CAP it, right? So you don't want a person to come in, right? You don't want them to know everything, right? Have all the answers, right? Tell you how bad you are doing your job, right? But then have zero passion about it and just want to collect a paycheck because they think, you know, they want to, they want to, um, you know, be on the sidelines of a big time football game someday. And that's really their only, I, their only, and I'll preface this because you're talking about interns. 
you know, if your only drive is to work with high level athletes, high level, and I say that because people say that all the time, I just want to work with high level athletes, right? Um, the price of admission is working with low level athletes and you're going to have to have a passion for that before you have a passion for that. And most of the time when you start at the bottom and you get to the top, you turn around and look at that mountain and you're like, wow, I actually enjoyed the lower level because when you get to the higher level, most of the time those people don't want to listen to you anyway. So they just want to listen to somebody else and pay the next person. So it's, uh, there's a fine line on all that stuff. Um, and that's one thing you, you can't learn until you experience it. Like most things, I guess, in life, you can't learn it until you experience it. You may want that drive. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of a roundabout way to ask or yeah. that question. Um, so obviously you get new people every year. What are some things you think are missing in a lot of young coaches? Uh, and I guess practical experience is one, you know, you, you, you come in. And you're like, and, 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 I, and I wasn't the best lifter myself, I guess, saying that. But, you know, I could do it. I could make, I guess, to say this, you know, I can make, a, I can make a, a movement look really good, right, at a low weight. But I could also make it look really bad, right, by just messing around in my own head and, you know, messing it up, right? A bad athlete can't make it look good, right? If you sit there and you're trying to coach a guy in a clean multiple times, multiple times, he ain't getting it, right? That's a bad athlete, right? You, you're not being able to take your own body, move, manipulate it, right? It's kind of like teaching a person to, to swing, swing a baseball, right? Swing a baseball bat, right? Some people just can do it. Some people can't do it. But also good athletes and good movers or good teachers can teach their pupils to do that and or receive it. Um, and so I say that as a lot of times I'll have, the interns will come in and they have no idea how to lift. They could tell you all the programming about it. They could tell you all this, that, and the other. And I'm not talking about load or weight. I, for me, I, I care about that, but I don't care about load and weight, right? I care about can you move that bar fast with intent? Can you do a walking lunge? Could you jump over that fence, right? Can you do 10 push-ups without uh, becoming out of breath, right? I don't need to know the uh, three different energy systems that are, you know, happening during said push-up. You may want to know that, but at the same time, those athletes don't want to know that. Um, so I, I guess, yeah. And on the other side of that, what are some things um, for great coaches who have come through there? What do you think have been some some clues of success that they've left? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. So uh, I guess one thing is being humble having some humility, but also having a life, right? This profession can, can, and just like anything, you can bury yourself in it and you should love it. Uh, you know, you should love it. Coach Carl Johnson, who's a very successful, maybe one of the most successful strength coaches we've had here says, um, if you're passionate about it, you put your life into it and you let it consume you, you know? Um, but also at the same time, I mean, it's Carl's consumed by this, by this profession, but he also has a life outside of that. And I think, you know, I, you have to definitely grind it out, I, I think, for, for a while. You got to absorb as much as you can. But once you absorb it and you have all that water in that sponge, right, you got to start squeezing a little bit out, right? You got to start making sure that more information can come in. Um, and, and so I say that is having a little bit of humility, um, being humble, but, you know, also having a life and, uh, having a balance to that, 
um, because you read just like this, you know, your podcast is, uh, and just like other podcasts is sometimes I get on and I talk nothing about numbers, sets or reps. It's all about, you know, how, how your culture and your lifestyle and what do I do? What books am I reading? Stuff like that. So. So one thing that you've been great at and I take note of is you've kind of developed your personal brand um, as a coach and as what you do. What do you think are some some tips for that for young coaches for kind of figuring out who they are? I guess you hit the head, figuring out who you are. One, you got to figure out who you are. One, you got to figure out your likes and dislikes. Don't let that name on your jersey or that name that you represent dictate who you are, okay? And I say if I took off the name of what I'm, where I'm working at right now and got hired on somewhere else, or I went to another institution or a, or a private sector, you know, I would hopefully still be the same person. I'm not one person there and another person at another site. I would hope that 15, 16 years ago when Augie called me, I was the same person, you know, to a certain extent without the growth model. Um, I would like to think my growth model would be linear too. Right. So, um, but also, so like uh, that person was the same humble, humility driven lifestyle person as I am now. Right. So I, I guess in developing your own personal brand now, you know, um, before it was just, you know, the people that you talk to. Right. Nobody would know who I am unless they came and saw me or they read the Georgetown Iron Hoys thing or we went and played a game or something. Now with social media, I don't even have to talk to them. Right. And that's all in, in encased in Dunbar numbers. And so Dunbar numbers, if you look those up, it's about having meaningful relationships with people. And so when you can you can think about the five people you stay around. Right. Well, then what's the next number after that? How many meaningful relationships can you have up to one hundred and fifty? And think about people who have millions of followers and likes. Can you have meaningful relationships with people like that? Do you want to have that? Um, so I would, you know, if you haven't, anyone's never looked those up, but look up some Dunbar numbers and you'll get a, a good indication. I don't, I only have, you know, a thousand some followers, right? Do I know all those people? No, not really. Um, but they're interested in what I'm emulating and what I'm vibing on. Um, I would say I probably have a good relationship with about 150 of those people, right? 150 of those people. And so I'm in building your own brand, you got to think about those 150, but you also got to think about the other numbers out there too. And so what do people want to see? And I'll say this as most people, they just want to see, you know, I post pictures of the books all the time. I get about 20 likes. When I post a weird picture of me taking a selfie, funny one in a gym that gets 150 plus 200 likes, right? Why, why is that? You know, why, why does that happen? And there's something interesting in how the human evolution and social media is evolving um, that, uh, that I understand, but I don't understand at the same time. And so, so younger people are starting to figure that out more in building their brand. And so I would say I'm way behind the times on that. Um, so I'm trying to put out more stuff. So, so you're part of a very select group of coaches who have been somewhere for more than 15 years, but an even more select group is you were there 15 years and you were a division one basketball coach who kept his job after a coaching change. Um, what was that like kind of starting from scratch, even though you're still at the same place, it's a whole new system. Um, and what do you credit to surviving off of that? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I would like to say, you know, I'm a, I'm a good dude. I, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, um, I guess, 
coach, big coach Thompson said this, true professionals will rise, right? So, and, and I'll also say that as another quote that he said was, Georgetown was built on good human resources. So like good people, right? So being a good person, doing my job, um, coming in every day with the same type of mindset, coming in early, leaving late, you know, taking, taking uh, one day at a time as if this was my, you know, last day or first day. Um, I would like to think that uh, throughout the years, I had more good days than I did bad. And so that's what helped me, but also relationships. Uh, you know, I built a lot of relationships at, at Georgetown. And so ultimately, you know, one coach and change and then one coach leaves and another coach comes in a coaching change that coach I had a relationship with before. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if I were to be given a grace period with that. Maybe if another, if I go to another school or another coaching change would happen, um, you know, I would like to think that that certain time frame, you know, would be given and I would be, you know, have to, uh, um, you know, prove myself again, that that would happen again. You know, it's very unfortunate that a lot of people aren't given that where new coaches come in and they just don't even take a look at what you've done or the work that you've done. And then they change somebody. Uh, and then that person comes in and validates all the things that were wrong with this program and the next program. And so Todd Hammer says it that, uh, uh, you know, when you go in, the first thing you should do is acknowledge all the great things that the person was doing before you. And because you never know the situation that they were put in and the parameters that were put in and then just build it and grow it from there. So. So going off that good human resources, um, I wouldn't say you're big, but you're definitely hiring within is kind of something you've accustomed to. You were brought up through the ranks. Um, you've hired Dave, who was an intern and brought up through the ranks, Christine as well. Um, can you speak to that a little bit and establishing relationships and building yourself up and coming up through the ranks? Well, I, I guess I will, I will, you know, preface this by there is many, many businesses out there that have taken that model as well. Very successful businesses, Starbucks, FedEx, UPS, you have to work there in order to climb up the ranks. And there's a reason for that. You got to know how to put back the weights right? In the weight room, vacuum the floor, mop the floor, right? How the parking situation works before you come in and you start dictating and moving and changing and figuring things out, right? So having somebody come in and build all those relationships from the ground up only makes your job that more, or your entity or your business that more successful, right? Because when the floor needs mopping, right? And there is no janitor staff, and you are the head honcho, you have to do it sometimes, right? And it goes back to getting the job done, getting the job done and knowing everybody's job so you can be the best at your job, right? So kind of the next man up type of a principle. You know, if somebody goes down, next man up, next woman up, they know what they're doing, they know the situation. There's no acclimation period where you bring somebody from outside of the institution. And we very rarely, there's only been two people that we brought in from outside the institution. There's very rare aspects of that where they come in and you give them an acclimation period of, hey, here's three months, figure it out, right? So it's, 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 it's hard to do. Um, you know, I, I, as you say, I would rather hire from within than hire from without, you know, just, just uh, it's, uh, I mean, I grew up in Indian guides. And so 
doing an Indian guys, you know, I, I the concept of tribes and whatnot, you know, you don't, uh, you don't just bring a member into your tribe, right? If you're trying to, uh, trying to grow holistically, whatever you're doing, you, you, you grow from within that tribe and then you promote from within that tribe through different aspects of courage and bravery and all that stuff. So, um, okay. Going back a couple of days ago, you were part of the coaches versus COVID symposium and there was kind of a basketball day that you were a part of. And, um, Alan Bishop said, I don't know the exact quote, but he kind of said, um, for young coaches, look around for successful coaches and they leave, um, clues of success. Um, what are some things that you think you probably have in common with all those other guys up there? Um, there are some clues to your success. Shoot, man. I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I, I, I don't, one, I don't know why they chose me to be on there too, because I am definitely, I'm, I'm, I crush myself. I'm definitely not, you know, worthy of that type of stuff. Um, you know, I, I would be first to say my program is not that good. Uh, you know, I would rather, honestly, I'd rather have Alan write my program, coach Bishop, write my program or coach Ramsey, write my program, you know, and have it uh, be run by coach greenwald i mean those get coach greenwald and coach richardson and, and coach sounders like those guys being being pioneers like um I, I was definitely honored to be on that and and asked by coach fletcher and uh you know put my put, put my two cents in there but uh at the same time i still feel like uh i'm growing as a coach i, I think my my success gets skewed a lot of times just by years of service and uh, you know, I, I've, I've worked with every team at Georgetown and now just basketball for about uh, 10 years. And so, you know, we've, we've been successful, but not successful. You know, I would like to think I'm more successful in building relationships and lasting lifestyle friends through um, the organization, through the university, through uh, the athletes. And so I would say that's probably my lasting success and why I was asked to be up there. It's not because Michael Hill is a great programmer. Um, you know, uh, it's not because I can squat 500 or deadlift 500 for that matter. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it's uh, it, why am I here? I'm, I guess I'm not sure, but I am here. Right. I, you know, Anyone who follows you knows about the books, and that's kind of one thing that you um, continually do is you're big on continuing education and always learning new things. Um, what's the last book you read, or what are you currently reading, and what are some good ones for young coaches? Hey, all right. Uh, I just read uh, Five Years to Freedom um, by James Nick Rowe, and uh, that was intense. That was about 500 pages long, and he was a Vietnam POW and uh you write 490 of those pages were right there with him and uh you know it's actually i have not done this in probably 30 years and right is is cried at the end of a book but i just had tears of joy like the guy got saved and it was super moving and you can only um feel it by reading the book right and feeling what he felt and the misery that he had and the courage and discipline and everything, fortitude and honor and, and, and all those words. But at the end, when he gets saved, um, 
and he was one of the creators, I believe, of Sears School. So uh, he, he definitely continues to give back, but he is no longer living. Um, and so that book was very good. There's been mul a multitude of books that I have read, um, but throughout the years, I've kind of, you know, watched documentaries on a guy named Edgar Casey. And so if you don't know, he's the sleeping prophet. Basically, he, you know, would just put himself into a trance and you'd ask him whatever question you wanted, mainly medical or either he did predictive uh, things, but uh, mainly medical and then um, things that happened in the past. And so uh, it's highly interesting topic, you know, if you believe in some of that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, those are the, those are the last, I'm currently reading that one. And then the other one was uh, that one. Um, recommending Let's see I forget you know I easily forget a lot of the books that I read but I do write um, you know a lot of them down and I give a lot of them away and whatever but if you want an interesting list of things like that I guess you could go to a book called scale by Jeffrey West um, that'll open up uh, a whole new dimension to thinking verbal judo I'm always into that one because I think we do that a lot uh, I think Ninja Mind is another way of, of thinking about things. You know, um, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the now term of resiliency um, and, and uh, um, not a warrior mindset, but kind of a uh, more of a behavioral type of a type of a mindset to change. Um, Enhanced interrogation was very intense. If you want an off the wall one, there's a lot of books that I go down rabbit holes of, you know, certain organizations and places or beings or groups that, uh, that I do, but you know, I guess that's just me. I'm just, I'm interested in a lot of things, I guess in terms of reading, I got asked this question the other day is I'm normally reading three books at a time, which is one, I have a bathroom reader where you go in the bathroom if you're sitting one page read it that's done rather than looking at your phone um i'm also reading the tsac so the uh tactical strength and conditioning uh coaches facilitator book by the nsca and that's kind of like my uh strength and conditioning reader and then i'll read a, a book at nighttime which is the edgar casey book so um there's a whole laundry list i mean obviously if you go into Hashtag Hills Book Club. I mean, there's there's tons of them in there, um, but you know, uh, I've only read in a while one really bad book, and I'm not going to name it, but uh, I did still post about it. But I remember that one. Um, okay, so a couple last questions, quick ones, um, and then we'll wrap it up. But one is, um, who are some coaches that young young coaches should reach out to? Anybody you want to shout out? Oh man. <laughs> I mean, there's lots there, there. There's I've spoken to so many great coaches, you know, um, obviously coach Augie Morelli, like that would be number one, right? That, uh, he brought me here. And so he still has a lot to give back. You know, he's, he's, uh, he, he, he was trained under Bill Starr, um, you know, and he, he, uh, is very smart and, uh, he, also, he's very humble, as I said earlier. He has humility, and he's also has a life outside of the weight room. Um, but he understands the weight room. So, obviously, him, everybody on my staff, I think they all bring something to the table. Um, you know, uh, 
But in a way of, of going out there, I mentioned him in earlier, uh, Coach Carl Johnson. Um, and I say that as I was a full-time strength coach here at Georgetown, brought Carl in as an intern. But when he got here, I learned more from him than he did from me. So it was kind of reverse, right? It was, I was learning stuff from him and it was supposed to be, he was learning stuff from me. And it just, you know, it just speaks, it speaks to him and speaks to him still, right? Um, so Coach Carl Johnson. I would also, you know, outside the box, um, you know, like Vernon Griffith uh, at VHP. Um, I would say Ken Wong, um, reaching out to him, uh, the real Ken Wong. I would say, uh, you know, I, not necessarily a strength coach, but um, Chief Daniel Luna. Um, if, you, if you look Chief Daniel Luna up, uh, there's, there, there's a lot. I guess, of, of people, but it's more, um, you know, you asked earlier about, about uh, what do you look for? Um, I would also look for that in somebody making a connection too in, in coaching, you know. Uh, I, made, I had a great connection with Augie. I had a great connection with Carl, you know, and, and, and all those guys that I just mentioned. And some people may not, some people may not have, have that connection. So uh, I guess it's, you know, continuing to reach out to as many people as you possibly can. Um, while still keeping your open mind. Um, All right, we're going to flip it on you now. Who is someone you have not talked to, but you really want to? I mean, it, so are, you're talking about in the strength of conditioning. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, Yoda comes to mind, right? So could we talk to him? I don't know. Is he real? Is he not real? Right? Give us a strength coach, then give us your, your wild card. So wild card, not even really wild, but I'm Paul Check. 100%. Um, I think, you know, the Paul Check Institute, the 4D podcast, um, you know, he puts out a lot of great information. The, the, the problem, I mean, I guess a lot of times the problem is I can't even get through some of this stuff because I'm too busy listening and I write it down and then all of a sudden I'm researching what the heck he's trying to say in that five minute slot. And I figure it out and I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes me think about this. I want to research that. And then I find out all of a sudden I'm, I'm off topic and I'm on Amazon trying to buy three books that he just recommended. So I say that as he's, he's thought provoking to me, not necessarily, uh, you know, as programming wise or strength coach wise, but as a whole, whole holistic human strength coach. Right. So never talk to him though. But, um, I would say the next person is a strength coach who, um, you know, who, who I have, you know, had brief conversations is uh, Coach Martin Rooney. I would say Coach Martin Rooney is, is one who's been in the field for, for quite some time. Um, he has written a bunch of books. Most uh, but recently, I think it's Coach, to Co Coach the Coaches, right? Is that right? Um, yeah. And then, honestly, a lot of people, like you mentioned earlier, the coaches versus COVID, I would love to talk to, to talk to all those guys in, in, in more depth. You know, some of those guys I've never talked to before, um, before that. So. All right. I don't know the answer to this one. So this will be interesting. Who's your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, uh, I don't know if I can say that. I, can we say that like one athlete, it's going to be a bunch of them. Sure. Um, give, us, give us a few. I guess there was a lot of people, a lot of coming into Georgetown in 2004, there was a lot of people that entrusted me with their, with their, you know, athleticism when, uh, you know, they didn't, 
they didn't have any reason to trust. They, they just saw my, they, they saw my CPR, my lifeline, and I'm another acronym, right? They saw my care, they saw, felt my passion, and I gave them respect, right? Write that one down, right? So I cared a lot, I had passion, and I gave them respect, right? So in turn, that brought life back to us. And so early on, you know, I, and one person, you know, a couple of basketball guys come to mind, but, you know, Roy Hibbert gave a lot and entrusted a lot in me. And we worked together a lot and he flourished and he believed in it when he didn't have to. Um, there, there's a lot of people I could name, you know, there's, you know, athletes you would never even heard of, but um, that's, that's one person that definitely entrusted me. And still, you know, I just wrote him a pro program yesterday, right. For his, for his home gym. Um, still, still in trust, trust me with his, with his uh, fitness and, and uh, you know, strength and conditioning aspects. And so, yeah, I guess if I had to name one, if it was a, it was a lightning round, uh, definitely Roy. Okay. Um, favorite food? I know this one, but you might not give the real answer. <laughs> so can I send this to you telepathy, telepathically? Yeah. Go. You answer. Can you answer that? Can I, I just sent you the answer via favorite food. Yeah. Chips. Chips. hundred percent. There you go. Should we shout out chip aficionado or chip no? Aficionado. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. If you want to see all of coach Hill's favorite chips, give chip aficionado a follow on Instagram. <laughs> um, all right. Favorite personal lift. Uh, it's definitely changed over the years, you know, I've liked a lot of things throughout the years, but I think now more so it's snatching, you know, I'm not good at it. Um, I'm not fast. I'm not necessarily strong, you know, but uh, I think if I were fast and were strong, I wouldn't be working at it. I would just go off to the side and do something else, you know? Okay. Um, and for anyone, See if you can ask Coach Hill to snatch some flip-flops. It's one of his proud feats. <laughs> um, yeah. And then last one is you've kind of done a lot of certifications, gone to a lot of symposiums and all that. What are some of your favorites? Um, I know you love Summer Strong. Um, what are some other things you've been to that you love and you would recommend to other coaches? Yeah, I mean, uh, all the CSCCA conference is great. Networking, going there. You know, NSCA conference, great, you know, networking. They all have great speakers. You know, they're all in great different locations. You got to go there and put yourself out. I mean, as you said, Summer Strong I like because I, I don't – it's not really work, but it's more passion-driven. So it's not really I'm there to get – make a connection in terms of trying to rise within the collegiate, professional, or even private sector ranks. I'm more, more so going there – to learn all the other little things, like I said, about, about life and about other people and the, all the things that are off the platform or off the rack or outside the weight room. Um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of podcasts. I think that goes back to my observe, learn, and develop. I like to observe and listen a little bit more than, than I do like to, although I've been doing more speaking and podcasts, but I, I'm not a big presenter. I'm more ask questions for me and then I can give an answer or I don't like to put together huge presentations to give because that's just me talking to people, talking at people. I'd rather have these interpersonal relationships where you can talk. And then, you know, me, I've, I've listened to a ton of podcasts, like I mentioned, Paul check and whatnot, where I feel like I do know him, you know, just listening to all that stuff or, or different other people. So I think 
there is so much that can be learned just from listening to those conversations, right? Um, and that goes back to, you know, be, being in the Indian guides and ref, referencing that in the Midwest is like, you know, the younger kids out down there listening to the elders talk at nighttime around the campfire, like listening to that stuff, listening to all that. And then once you get there, then you can start giving back and squeezing that sponge and giving away, you know, your, uh, your information. Um, so I think podcasts are highly under underrated for sure. Uh, form of education. Okay. That's all I got. Any parting words? Uh, no, I guess, uh, other than, you know, for yourself and you, like, you know, your own, your own growth is, I will tell, can I, I can I tell this story? Um, sure. I don't know what story it is, but go ahead. So the, the host of this cast, um, did come in to, to our establishment, um, and right away did not wear our gear, right? He wore another collegiate settings gear. Um, he, he had a scruffy beard to a point, uh, didn't really have his hair settled if you would, uh, but also would coach with his hands in his pockets and would, uh, also, uh, yawn periodically. Um, but I just watched the, this animal in his natural habitat. And I say that as he observed, he learned, he developed, and now he has a podcast. And all of the while, he took each challenge in stride, and he bounced, and he would, you know, observe everything around him. You know, he gave his two cents, he took tasks. And so saying that as one, it, it, it's a testament to him. It's a testament to his growth. Um, there was some push on our end, but also he was more pulling than we were pushing, right? Um, he was pulling and trying to take that information, trying to take his status to another level. And now it just shows that he will be successful. It's just a matter of time. And so saying that as, um, you know, doing a good job, keep, keep up the good work, right? There's more to be learned. There's always more to be learned and more to be more to experience. Um, and, but if this is any assurance, it's you're doing a great job, you know, keep up the good work. And as I say, don't fuck this up. Right. Good luck. We're all counting on you. Good luck. We're all counting on you. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. Um, Coach Hill has been a great mentor and I've continued so, to you. Um, even today I've learned yeah. a lot more and there's always, more to learn. So I appreciate you taking the time hopping on, uh, my humble podcast. Yeah. And, yeah. um, we'll talk soon. Good luck. We're all counting on you. We're all counting on you. All right, coach. I'll talk to you later. See ya.